Exercise as a daily commitment is a tough proposition for many of our patients. We know work, family, and other activities all compete for their time, and many patients also battle a sort of personal inertia about exercise, just as others perceive constraints imposed by chronic diseases like diabetes. How can we effectively and efficiently tailor our discussions about exercise to resonate with patients faced with diabetes? You're listening to ReachMD.com, XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special segment, Focus on Diabetes. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Hsu, practicing general pediatrician and author. Our guest is Dr. Jill Grimes, a practicing board-certified family physician in Austin, Texas, and an associate editor for the 5-Minute Clinical Consult textbook. Welcome, Dr. Grimes. Thank you for having me. Now, physical activity is so important for everybody, and not just people with diabetes, but is it maybe even more important for people with this chronic condition? Absolutely. I think we all know that there's so many benefits of aerobic activity, from lowering blood pressure and cholesterol, it lowers your overall risk of cardiovascular disease, it improves bone strength, it reduces stress. Regular exercise is just absolutely a key part of treating any chronic disease, but especially diabetes. There was a major government study, the Diabetes Prevention Program, which showed that a modest weight loss of only 5 to 7%, which, for example, would be about 10 or 15 pounds for a 200-pound person, that that can delay and possibly even prevent type 2 diabetes. So people in that study were using diet and exercise to lose weight. Honestly, though, I think most physicians know that exercise is important. What we lack as a group is the knowledge of how to effectively motivate our patients to incorporate exercise into a daily part of their lives. So how can we stress the importance of exercise in our all-too-often brief office visits with our diabetic patients? Well, the very first step is to simply ask them about their exercise. When patients see that you think it's important enough not only to ask about but to note in their chart, it makes a far greater impact on them. In addition to noting it in their history as they're talking and you're just getting their general history for their visit, as you write or dictate their assessment and plan, look them in the eyes and ask them, now, what should I write down that you're willing to commit to in terms of exercise? And make it specific and write it down. Then don't just let that go. Schedule a follow-up visit for only two or three months away, even if ordinarily you may not see them for six months. Bring them back sooner and then remember to ask at your next visit if they've stuck with their commitment. Giving them that short-term goal, you're much more likely to get success and commitment on their part. So you mentioned being specific about goals. Let's say you have a patient who wants to start walking a little bit more. What might be an example of goals you would set for that patient? Well, it sort of depends. If is a patient who's really morbidly obese or just incredibly inactive, the first thing I would start off with is a simple pedometer. You can get a very good pedometer for anywhere from $10 to $30 at a grocery store or a sporting goods store or certainly online. Ask them to get a pedometer and start wearing it. Whatever their baseline is, Even if it's just a 1,000 steps a day, say, okay, that's your baseline. I want you to add 500 steps to that baseline every three days and gradually build them up. Before you know it, in a month's time, they're going to be doing the 10,000 steps a day that we would recommend. If you've got a patient who already is a little more active than that, then I think you need to you know, obviously up the ante. Telling them, hey, you need to get more exercise is good, but saying, all right, I want you to start. What can you commit to now? Can you commit to walking 15 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day? And usually they'll throw something out, well, I can walk a mile. So you say, okay, if you can walk a mile right now today, see how long that takes you. 
And for most people, that's going to be somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes. And then ask them to build up their walking to 30 minutes a day. Then clock that, get in their car or on a bike, figure out exactly how far they're going, and have them build it up in speed until they're getting two miles per day of walking that they should be able to do in 30 to 40 minutes. And again, tell them, I want to make sure that you've reached that goal by our next office visit and have them set that before they leave your office. Now, I find that patients sometimes don't stick to plans like walking if they don't find it interesting or if they don't have somebody to keep them company. Are there other things you can do to get them motivated about exercising? Absolutely. You you touched on one. I want to go back to that. If they've got someone to keep them company. You know, it's one thing to commit to yourself and say, okay, I'm going to get up at 6 a.m. every morning starting tomorrow and I'm going to walk for 30 minutes before I go to work or before I get the kids up, or before the rest of your life gets involved and gets you distracted. If no one is walking with you and you wake up the next morning and you're a little tired, a lot of us are going to just hit the snooze alarm, pull the covers up of your head, and keep hitting that snooze alarm till it's too late to exercise. If, on the other hand, you've made an agreement with one or two of your neighbors and you're all meeting outside at your mailbox at 6 a.m., you're going to get out of bed because you don't want to let them down. You're not going to call another person at 6 in the morning if they've got a family and worry about waking up their kids or husband or wife. So it really it's that extra impetus to really get moving when you've got a commitment with other people. Another thing that I'd suggest is ask the patient, is there something you've always wanted to learn how to do, a sport, ballroom dancing, kayaking, martial arts, tap dancing? Sign up for a class. If you're going to a class like that either once a week or maybe twice a week, that counts as exercise. So that sort of breaks up your routine of simply walking and has you, you know, walking a couple days and then doing whatever fun class you've signed up for. Plus, there's also the social aspect of that class. Now, you've had some success with prescribing home exercise equipment for patients. Tell us how that works. Well, apparently the the laws on this vary from state to state, and I live in Texas, so I can tell you about the Texas state tax laws. Here in Texas, if a doctor prescribes a piece of exercise equipment, and it says for a reason, in quotes, almost any reason, frankly, will do, then when the patient takes that prescription to the store to buy a treadmill or an exercise bike, they will be tax exempt. The stores have forms that they need to fill out. What needs to very specifically be said, number one, it needs to be on your prescription pad or letterhead from your office. I just use my prescription pad because that's what I've got with me as I'm seeing the patient. And then you need to have the patient's name, of course. I put their diagnosis, whether it's diabetes or hypertension or obesity, just write the diagnosis on there. Then you need to put what the piece of equipment is. You don't need to have, say, a brand name, but you need to say whether it's an exercise bike or an elliptical machine. And then I usually put a SIG on there, use 30 minutes a day, four days a week. And that's it. I hand it to the patient. This shows the patient it's important to me. They get a discount and, you know, who can resist a sale? And patients are delighted to go and buy an exercise bike. And, again, then when you bring them back in two months, you have it in the chart because you've got a copy of your prescription. And you say, hey, did you get that exercise bike? Are you using it? How's that working out for you? Additionally, and for other states as well as Texas, there's a variety of health savings accounts that many different employers provide, and that will give them either a discounted or tax-free advantage. And there's flex spending money and, and different plans such as that. But I would really encourage physicians to check into this in your state. It may be as simple as calling a local sporting goods store because they certainly know the answers if they're aware of the program. But if not, 
let's advocate for that. Let's get that in all the states so we can get our patients moving and focus more on some prevention. If you've just joined us, you're listening to a special segment, Focus on Diabetes, on ReachMD.com XM160. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Hsu. Our guest is Dr. Jill Grimes, practicing family physician and author and associate editor for the 5-Minute Clinical Consult textbook. We're discussing physical activity for patients with diabetes. Now let's talk about the best types of physical activity for diabetic patients. Is there such a thing? Like everything else in medicine, you have to individualize it to the patient. But I think the overriding concept that we want to get across is that cross-training is important so that you avoid overuse injuries. Particularly when someone is inactive and they're starting off on something, a lot of times they'll say, oh, I want to, I want to walk every day, and they want to walk four miles a day every day, and before you know it, they're going to have a plantar fasciitis that's going to knock them out of walking altogether. So I really try and stress to patients that I'd like them to pick more than one type of exercise. Now, having said that, I think probably the easiest thing to do is to combine walking with something else. Walking is almost always an option because you don't have to be in any special place. You don't have any special equipment. And so you can just walk out the door and do it. It's nice to have maybe an iPod or an MP3 player to make it less boring or grab a friend. But again, walking is very accessible to most people. Swimming is a terrific form of cross-training, but for a lot of people, it's just inconvenient if they don't have their own pool or if they don't belong to a gym or they've got to drive across town. And then when you have to start adding on drive time or commute time to get there, it's not a half an hour a day. Now you're dealing with needing to allot an hour, an hour and a half just to get in your 30 minutes of exercise a day. So what I generally encourage people to do is to consider getting one piece of equipment to have in their house to combine with walking. Since you're already walking and you want to cross-train, a treadmill would not be my first choice to recommend. Again, mainly just because of the cross-training aspect to avoid overuse injuries. Exercise bikes are terrific. People can usually read while they're on them, so sometimes they can be multitasking if they need to be reading for their, their business or for pleasure. And certainly nowadays most people have a TV with DVRs and different things where they can record their favorite program. And it's nice to be able to fast forward through the commercials. And in your 30 minutes on the exercise bike, you can watch a full hour segment of your favorite show, which again takes away from the boredom. So in a perfect world, I would love it if everybody could have that one piece of equipment. And if I had to pick one piece, it would be an exercise bike in their home. And that way, it takes away your excuse on those days where it's too hot or too cold outside, too dark, too rainy, too snowy, or the kids are sick, you can't have a babysitter take care of them. Whatever all those other excuses are that get in our way of exercising, having something in your home makes it to where exercise only takes 30 minutes of your day. So you have the patient use their piece of exercise equipment, again, possibly an exercise bike, three or four days a week, and then walk on the other days, and that creates a nice balance. Are there certain types of exercise that really are not recommended for patients with diabetes? Well, yeah, it depends, again, what stage diabetes that they're in. If they were to the point where they're having foot ulcers, then weight-bearing exercises such as walking would be a bad idea. Also, if they had an open ulcer, swimming would be out of the question. If their blood pressure is poorly controlled, then you have to really be careful about weightlifting and resistance training because we don't want to have a sudden increase in blood pressure. If they've got progressive loss of vision from complications of diabetes, then an exercise bike would be fine, but you would want to restrict outdoor biking. The good news is that despite where you're at in the spectrum of disease with diabetes, almost anyone can find some form of exercise that will be a good fit. 
We've been talking very generally about exercising with diabetes, but are there different recommendations for exercise for patients with type 1 versus type 2 diabetes? The main thing to note about patients with type 1 diabetes is that if they're getting to the point where they're ketotic, they need to skip exercise on that day. Both types of diabetic patients need to recognize that vigorous exercise can go either way with their blood sugars. It can raise it significantly or it can drop it. And they may need to check their sugars before and after exercise sessions when they're starting to implement a new exercise regimen to figure out what happens with their personal blood sugars so that they can plan meals and snacks accordingly. I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Jill Grimes. We've been discussing physical activity for our patients with diabetes. I'm Dr. Jennifer Hsu. You've been listening to a special segment, Focus on Diabetes, on ReachMD.com XM160. Be sure to visit our website at ReachMD.com, featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please call us toll-free at 888-MD-XM157. And thank you for listening.